attention. My guest today is Jan Lammers, CEO at RP3. RP3 are these amazing dynamic ergometers. And Jan's going to help us to understand more about the RP3, the history, the heritage, how they started, and how they've evolved over time to help you train on land just like you would on the water, to help you go faster. Welcome, Jan. Great to see you again. Well, thanks for the introduction. Happy you invite me for this uh, nice spot. And maybe at the end, people will know a little bit more about RP3 and why we're here. Fantastic, mate. Look, just before we start, for all those listening, remember to subscribe and recommend the podcast to others. Most people find out about the Faster Podcast by word of mouth, and your recommendation counts a lot and helps to spread the word. So, Jan, look, we've, we've got to dig in a little bit to understand a little bit more about you. So, how would you describe what it is what you do? Well, what, what we do is make, uh, I think, the most perfect ergometer you can buy on, on Earth. But uh, let, me, let me first introduce myself. Maybe some people would like to know my background. My background is mechanical engineering and after that, a business degree in uh, Bowdoin University. So I teamed up with RP3 in 1991 when the product came from the first prototypes to serial production. And actually the whole patent started in 1988 when Cas Rakers had the first patent because his daughter, Marjolein, got lower back pain on the C2, which was at that the machine that was very pronounced in, in rowing, of course, when the Dreisegas made it. And he found out that the way rowing on a, on a, what we call the static machine is completely different from how you do it on water. So that's the time he invented the first row perfect, how it was called at that time. And I got the patent for it. And since 1991, I'm producing those machines. And when we, when he died in 2011, he unfortunately died in the, in the boat. He was in Delft no rowing us. And they were rowing and, and the walls at the river were that steep that they couldn't get him on land. So it was really something bad. But after that, I took over from the, the family and, uh, and two, two, two eleven. And since then we are pushing the more forward into the market. So that's a little bit the background uh, behind it. So tell me a little bit more about Cus. I mean, I've heard, heard his name mentioned quite a few times and yep. like 1991 and he was figuring the machine out. You said he was, a, he did a bit of rowing. What's, what's a bit more of his backstory? Yeah, he was, he was rowing for protests. He was really a, a sports guy. He was a chemical engineer. He worked for some big, very big chemical companies in the Netherlands. And he, he was, yeah, let's say this thing was his part job. So I produced all the machines for him and every Friday we would sit together and then we would say, okay, where does this machine go to? So we had a list where to ship to. And we shipped everything. And at that time, it was that black machine everybody knows, which was, let's say, the first thing that came on the market as a row perfect. Yeah. So he, he was really a, quite a rower. He was good. And, and I guess you're, you haven't got an Australian accent. So where are you from? I, well, I'm born in the Netherlands and raised in the Netherlands. <laughs> I, had some, I had some this in, in the US. We were in two, two, three, two, two, eleven. Uh, an automotive business in the, in the U.S. So I'm a little bit around that too, but Netherlands is where I'm born and raised. 
So Jan, tell me a little bit more about the the principles and the philosophies of the design of, of the machine. So Kaz had an idea, clearly you've been iterating it with him since 91. What are the core principles behind the RP3? The, the core principle is, is that if you look at the movements in the boat, let's say you anchor your blades and then you move your boat underneath you and on the, on a C2. You move your body weight from a fixed mass, so you can hang, hang from the wall and, 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 and roll. On the RP3, the movement is exactly the same. So you push away your legs, so you push away the boat and you, and you hang from the handle. So the, the whole way of moving is exactly the same. And that's why it gives not that much stress on, on your lower back. If you go back and forward from a fixed mass, every time you have to stop your weight, accelerate your weight, stop your weight. So, and that's a, a very, it goes all from your lower back. And that's what's actually happening on, on a static machine, which does not happen on a, in a, in a boat, which does not happen on an RP3. Okay. So it's, it's pushing the weight away. And yeah. I've read a little bit about there's some connection between the weight of the flywheel and the machine. And uh, a single scale. So what's the thinking around how much weight do you push away and, and balancing that? Yeah. Yeah. When, when they, when they first started up, they, they thought it should be the same weight as a skiff. So around 17 kilos, but actually it's more related. If you look into it from a mechanical standpoint, at how much inertia you put away. So the weight you push away, if it's too high, you will go after the weight. So it's the, the, the dimension of the weight of the rower and the weight of the machine. And that's roughly, if you're around, let's say 20 kilos, then you're in, in a good position. You always have a little bit going back and forward on the slide because that's, you cannot stop directly. That's the inertia you get from pushing away the weight. But on our machine, you are moving between 10 and 15 centimeters just to control that, uh, that position. And if, if you look to that, if you put a C2 on sliders, they need the bungee to keep it on place. So if you push too hard, it's still too much mass. You push away and that's why that bungee gets straightened out and pulls you back. Yeah. Is, is that why on the rail, I think it might be the Model S. This Model S is a single rail, right? Yeah. Is that why it has a little bit of a bend in the back or am I thinking of another, the, one of the original models? Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Every, every model has a little bend in the, in the back. That's also your, your slide in a boat is under an angle. So yeah. it, you look at that and that's the same angle we have in our machine. So it's, it's a little bit, if you, if you push and if, it, if you are a good rower, you could do it on a straight bar, but if you're moving too much, there might become a moment that you go too far forward and backwards. So you start bouncing. So that's why it has a little bend in the middle. So you actually mm -hmm. a little coupling there. Okay. I, I know we're getting slightly away from perhaps some of the topic, but is that also why you've got that little adjuster on the back to just move, move the back up and down until you find the sweet spot, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it has to be on a certain angle. So if the, if the floor is not straight, then you let that you, if you bounce to the front, you're too high. If you bounce to the back, you're too low on the, on the real leg. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So maybe we, we back up a little bit to, to 91 and through to 2000. When you're looking at, could you describe some of the main evolution points of your machine when you went from the black? the black beauty to, yeah. to today. So what were some of the key milestones and discoveries where you went, uh-huh, we have to change this. 
Uh, and that could be from a position of how to make it more accurate, or it also could be, I think, you know, you're an engineer, so I'm sure you're trying to perfect it and perfect it and move through it. That's correct. Right now, when, when the RP2, or we call it, has to fly, we uh, high above the rail and with the RP and, and the, the big thing there was if it tipped over, then a lot of those machines were wobbling with the flywheel if you rode it. So that's why we started already with the Model S we have now uh, with the flywheel closer to the bar. So the, the, the weight is close to the bar and, and the flywheel is better uh, with better bearings uh, to the frame. And, uh, and tr let's say from accuracy uh, that every machine now in the world, even it's the old machine, gives the same data. So the flywheel, that's one of the big things Cas put a lot of time in together with me to get it uh, really every, every flywheel should be the same. So it should be that if you start on RP3.1 to RP3000, it should give you the same data and the same feel. And that's something where we put a lot of effort in. Let's say that's, that's the key of our product is, is the flywheel, how it's constructed, how we make it, how it's balanced and everything. Let's say our know-how is in, in the flywheel. Okay. And, and, and that flywheel is, let's say, in, on the S, put it more to the bar so that it's more stable. On the Model T, we even go under the bar to have it more like the weight of your boat. You sit on the boat, so you, the weight is always beneath you. On the Model T, we have it beneath us, between the bars. Uh. Okay. So you got the flywheel was, was a big piece of initiative. Then you had the positioning, lowering the flywheel. What else has been some development that's come through in the years? Yeah. Not, let's say uh, on the, on the S it was more evaluating what we had on the two on the, on the model T, we got more stuff uh, going on. So on the model T, we got the, 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 the double rail system where the flywheel is uh, between the rails. So it's more symmetric on, on the, on the S on, and on the RP2, it's all, let's say the weight is on one side for the flywheel. And, and now we have the flywheel directly in the middle. So the, yeah. the feel of the machine, if you push it away. It's, it's, you feel it's more sent through the machine, the weight is beneath you. So you can really push it away and, 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 and feel the flow of it. And, and also the T as uh, what we find out of course, from the, from the past is where are our weak points. And that's, uh, let's say the, the S and the T and the two were very vulnerable creations because Cas had the idea, this weight thing and everything should be very light, but light and, and, and good construction never go together. So it's always where, you, where do you mix up? Where do you leave it? And so now on the T we really said, okay, now we have to have a machine that's rock proof and uh, should be on every rowing community uh, should handle it. And so the weight is still the same. So we didn't change on the weight, but we changed from uh, stainless steel to aluminum, aluminum powder coated and every other steel part is uh, a sink. Then, then powder coated, so it's, it's more rigid uh, machine. And what, what were you finding with the problems, with meaning that you had to move to aluminum and, and powder coating and more a stronger machine? What was what was going wrong with with the other ones? Well, if you if you how we designed it now is more designed like how you see a car. So we got a space which is uh, what you see, and then inside we got the flywheel which we see as an engine. So we we put the engine to the space frame which is two separate things. And if you do that with, with stainless steel, we had to have a very thick stainless steel and then the weight uh, got in our way. So 
we had, we had to switch to aluminum to get the weight the same and still have the good, good stable construction. Okay. Maybe we talk a little bit about maintenance and some questions from some of the, the international coaches later, but where, where are the machines actually manufactured? Machines are completely manufactured in the Netherlands. So also our, our supply chain from, of course, plastic parts, which China is too cheap. We cannot even do that here anymore, but all metal parts and, and stuff uh, and bearings are, uh, are German and Dutch. Uh, yeah. Okay. German and Dutch, that's a good mix for machinery. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, what's the idea around the, the monitor? Because I, I've got the Model S, I've also got a Concept 2 machine. The Concept 2 comes with a monitor, the RP3. Tell us a little bit about your decision to, I mean, for others to buy, I've got a Galaxy tablet. I download the app. Then the club that I go to, Verve, has two Model Ts and they have the smaller built-in display. So what's the logic behind that, Jan? What's your thinking there? Yeah, when, when, when we started up with, uh, with the S, we, we didn't have any monitor on it. We, we had a small monitor in the, in the path, which is, it's, it's difficult to maintain a monitor. So, and, and because we went to the app, it's, we made a decision, okay, when we have an app, everybody has, an, has a phone. So let's go uh, that they use their own equipment on our machine. So on, on an S, you can use your iPhone or Android phone, or you, you can use a tablet. So we, it's now iOS and Android based is the app. And, and that was the thinking when we had the S. And during the years, we found out that a lot of clubs said, yeah, yeah, but we don't want that. We want just have to send monitor on it. So on the T, we decided, okay, we put a monitor on and also or that we put a generator on because it's always the problem of batteries and, and power and everything. So we have a six watts generator on the machine, which is even calculated within the, in the power of, of the whole calculations, but also gives you, I think, seven data fields and, and a real force curve. So you got two screens and you've got a real screen with a real force curve. So it's not something that builds up from a, a couple of points, but it's the same as you got in the app. Okay. I find the app really powerful actually, because you can start to switch around with the, yeah. the boat classes and the, the body weight. I saw, I think it was probably during lockdown, you did some competitions. You had the Danish and the German scholar going at it head to head. Then you had a yeah. couple of, you had a university in, in the Netherlands versus one in the U S. Yeah. So I think the app was great. But I don't, it's, you don't have that feature on the screen for the T though, do you? Can you dial in the, the body weight and change the boat class on the screen for the Model T? Not on a small screen, but the, the, the Model T has the same interface where you can use your phone or, or a tablet. So the, actually that has three, three points where you can get your data, the, the small <laughs> tablet or a monitor, and it's, even, it's Bluetooth and, and cable connected. And we always say, if you go on, on testing, please use the cable, what Bluetooth is always yeah, it's hit, not always. It's sometimes hit and miss. Yeah, you don't want to, especially if you're testing. Yeah. So what, what we time... get those e races uh, with Oliver Seidel and Sverre Nielsen, and they and I can tell you, you can ask Thomas Poulsen and and Heino Seidler. They really trained for it. This was really a, a marker for them, and they really trained for it to get this race done. And also, if you look at the time of uh, Oliver, his time was uh, within zero point three percent accurate to his uh, on water. Yeah, I was going to talk to you about that yarn because it was freakishly close. Mate. It was, yeah. I don't know what it was for Sverry, 
but it was really close for, for Zeidler. How are you seeing, I mean, how do you actually match up that? So if I set it to a Coxus for 90 kilos, yeah. how close is it to the performance on water? And how did you figure that out? Oh, that's, that's a lot of calculation behind it. And it was with, let's say with, with Gus already going to universities and at that time in Eastern Germany, because in, in the rest of the world, there was not that much knowledge, but in Eastern Germany, there was a lot of technical knowledge about uh, rowing and, uh, and more science behind it. So I think it was in, by Dresden or somewhere in Leipzig. He went to Leipzig for that. So there's a, there's a lot of calculations about the inertia of our flywheel, which matches with the boat. So the, the whole inertia of our flywheel and how we measure is connected to the weights and everything that's calculated from the boat. Okay. So in, and that's why I, I, we did it. Tim McLaren, the coach which comes from Australia, did a test with the American team a couple of years ago. You, you can, can ask him that. And he, he found out he, he did twos, fours, eights and switched them over, put them on the ERG, testing water and did it back and forward. And he found out that we're within 0.5 accurate with the time water. So half a percent. Half a percent. And yeah, you're sure they've, they've got a lot of road perfects down at UTS Haberfield then as a result yeah, of that, where yeah. he's coaching now. But, all right. So, so you're balancing science with the art of feedback on the sounds yeah. of it. So Cass had some pretty rigorous oh, yeah. tables to go through and then you're, you're getting the feedback that looks pretty close. I guess I wonder how that will, it'll probably be matched up as times get faster, people will get faster on the machines. Yeah. So yeah. How do you get that feedback? How do you work with the athletes and coaches to actually get feedback? One, to improve the product, but also to just say, look, this is, this is what I need from it. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, we talk a lot with coaches and, and at least, of course, we, let's say, to 12, to 13, I start sponsoring a lot of uh, coaches and, and athletes to get our machine on the market. And we, let's say, Gus didn't give away any machine. There was only one machine given, and it was to Franz Goebel. He's the only one who ever got a machine from Gus. Everybody else had to pay for it. Good comment. Yeah. <laughs> we, we started uh, with the Sinkovich brothers, uh, Emma Twig, Sanita Puspur, and all those uh, elite uh, rowers, and also a lot of small rowers that came up later. But, and, and then, of course, in, in 2013, we teamed up with the Dutch, with Mark Emke, which started then rowing with with our machines and we got a lot of feedback from those people about everything. It can be, let's say Ma told us the foot stretcher is too weak. He, he pushed through the foot stretcher. Well, did this big guy pulls 1500 Newton or something. But then we had people who didn't like the handle. So we changed the handle. People who wanted to have a force curve builder. So there's a lot of talk about the force curve. What is the, the ideal force curve? Well, I think there's no ideal force curve. It's about coaches and how you coach the boat and how you row it. We know a little bit where we think what we see, what we think it should be. And, and mostly we're close to that, but a lot of coaches want to build their own. So we have a, a, a force curve builder. We did it with Steve Trapmore. So you can build your force curves by pulling the, the, the force and, and the stroke length. Is that, is that in the app? You can do that? In the app. It's built in the app already. So. And you can, and you can set the peak force position. So do, where do you want to have your peak force position? And that's always the talk when you're in an eight, you want to have it on the front. When you're in a single, you want to have it more in the, in the middle. So, and that's how you can build that, that force curve. So 
a lot of data fields extra where we calculate drive times, recover times, all that stuff came in. But we were very open we, and we still are open. We still like every, every command we get, we look at it and think, it, it is good, should we do it? Or is it uh, something that this, only this coach wants? They would say, no, maybe uh, you should calculate it himself. But if it's really uh, helpful to the rowers, then we will do it. Yeah, yeah. We, we positioned ourselves a couple of years ago as we want to be the machine for rowers. So, and that's, if you look at our website and everything, everything is based for rowers, coaches, how to get better. Where, where do you see the, the app being developed? Because I think there's a lot of people that do like that idea of bring your own device. I can understand why the clubs also want to have a uniform yeah. monitor. I get that. But then oh. there's, I can go down to the club and plug my monitor, which I do do in. Where do you see the app evolving to? Well, what, what we are doing now is we want to bring the app and we had that idea already in early days to bring the app also to the water. So what we do, we want to connect on water to the earth. So, and that's, uh, what, that's, what do you mean, mate? What does, what does that mean? So if you got an RP3 app, you can use it on the earth, but you can also bring it to the boat. Like you got RIM, where you got a lot of data you can easily get from from the, the sensor that's already in an iPhone or an Android phone. So speed, stroke rate, everything. But, but also we want to go a, a step further that we actually want to uh, build a force curve in the boat so that you can see the force curve you're doing in the boat. And then you go back to York and, and, and see, okay, here did I miss something or my force curve does look like, what did I do wrong? And how can I correct it? Okay, and, and how are you doing that? Is that through the accelerometer in the, in the phone device itself. Yeah, but also uh, we are thinking of it's either with Nielsen Kellerman or Kleshnev or whatever, but we need to have an, an all-lock that gives us some data to, uh, to help that. And that should, should be something that's really affordable, not, not let's say five, 600 euros for uh, one, but let's say around uh, 100, 150 for uh, one all-lock. All you got to do is figure out how to make the phone float when people drop it in the water. Like yeah, yeah. 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 But. Luckily, most of the phones uh, now are water resistant, so that's already one. <laughs> so, so it's a, it's a, I like that idea. You get the force curve tracing from the boat, you go back in, and then you can go on the RP3, and then you can see your force curve from the RP3 versus what you've done on the water. Is that what, what I'm understanding? Yeah, that's what we want. And, and also, we have several platforms now on the app. We have the, the app that you put as a monitor. Then we got e-racing. Then we got studio setup, which you can use if you want to train with a crew. That's the next step. That's the first step we're going to do is if you train with it, uh, we're going to have that you can overlay the force curve. So on the, on a big screen, you, you set up our studio software, you put it to the wall and then every erg that in the room connects automatically. You don't have to do anything. It pops up, pop, comes to the wall and you get a force curve. Then you can see all the force curves and then the coach can decide, okay, now I do an overlay. I want to see how those force curves match to each other. That's really cool. How about if the, if my doubles partner is living in the middle of the country, can he clip, you know, go on through his Wi-Fi and then have it on a common screen so I can see what he's doing. He can see what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a virtual room. So you come into a virtual room, so you can be in Australia and then the other guy can be in Germany or whatever. It doesn't. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's yeah. interesting. When, when's that coming out? Well, we, we're working on it now. We already are testing it. So it looks stable, but we want to bring it out when it's 
really tested and stable, uh, but it's already working. Uh, so are you looking for some people to test it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whoa, whoa. Sure. If you've got a club or a crew or if, if you're doing a double with your, with your mate, it's all funny to see. And what, what we're going to do on, on that step is also that, let's say, if you got the average curve, we, we let's see every curve over each other. So you get a, a, a broad, right? But we also get the average curve from those curves. So if you as a coach decide, okay, that's the good curve to go, then you can import that curve to all the tablets and say, okay, row that curve. So let's say the, the, the range of the curve, you can make smaller so that they all come to one line there. So they're practicing the, the force distribution over the one that the coach wants. Yeah. 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 Okay. So Jan, well, look, I mean, do you get a lot of anonymized data through that app or is that something that through GDPR just stays on the app and you don't get to see? No, we, we don't see anything. No. Yeah. Based on the app. Yeah. I mean, that could be interesting though, couldn't it? If people give permission to release their data yeah. to you so you can start to map. Okay. Like I see on uh, Garmin shows the percentage of people that are doing this many steps or this yeah. many hours of training. You can start to say, well, this is the average force curve distribution of an Olympic athlete, a national level, state level, school level. What, what we're bringing now up and that's, it's coming in the, the coming month. It's, an, it's a new portal where you can do a lot of analyzing and, and on that, we're going to ask the questions also if we can use the data. And uh, so then we're going to build up those algorithms that we can, can help people to get. Yeah. Well, that would be interesting. And that leads to a question from an international coach who will remain nameless. In what way is the RP3 a better simulation of on-water rowing, in your opinion, Jan? Well, if if you go to our website, we got a nice video of an overlook from from a young rower which rowed for the U.S. national team, Jordan Dijkema. You see see him row in the boat, and then you get the overlay of the RP3. And if you look to this guy, he he is the, the son of Carlos Dinares, and he was not allowed to use any weight. So he builds his whole body in two years over our machine. So if you, if this, if you look at his body structure and, and I think the, the big advantage of an RP3 is that you build the same muscles as you need in a boat. Let's say a C2 is a good machine for fitness, but because you don't make the same movement as you do in a boat, because you lose, you use a lot of your body weight to accelerate. Let's say heavy rowers can make good times on a C2. We just brought 12 RP3s to Thias, the rowing club in in the Northern Netherlands. And now they found out that the guys who were very quick on RP3, the big guys, now lost from the guys who know how to row. And, and that's, that's, and that's how it is. That's you, how it is on the water generally too, right? That's how it is on the water too. You can be a, a big C2 strong guy, but then you have to get those muscles working on the, on the boat and that's grabbing. Let's say one of the big things on a C2 is the first 20 centimeters, you don't feel the pressure. So everybody is grabbing for the, for the, for, to, to get the, the resistance. So go resistance and then go resistance and then go. If well, you I guess that's, that's on any static machine, any static yeah. yeah, machine, any static yeah. machine. So I think the answer to answer the question from a different perspective, in what way is RP3 a better simulation of on-water rowing? I think, I don't think it's a better simulation of on-water rowing because on-water rowing is the standard. It's closer to that, 
Yeah. And I think that from a coach's perspective, if you're, if you can stand beside the rower, the athlete, whilst they're on a dynamic machine, you can advise more, you can look at the force curve perhaps, and then interpretate that vis-a-vis what you're looking for. Right. So I think it's, so it's going to be closer than a static machine. Yeah. What, what you take away is the water. Actually, you put a little, it's not, let's say you never can build the same as the on water, but we're very close to what you do on water. And you're right. You can stand next to the athlete, can see the mistakes he's made, which you don't see if you're on a catamaran next to him on the water. It's always, what's, yeah. what's wrong? I see something, what's, what is it? And if, if you look to, to uh, if you put him on a machine and only look, already look to the force curve, how he applies the power, you already got an impression where he goes wrong there. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you can't get on the water because of light or because of ice, cold weather or rough weather, it's good. So look, we talk a little bit about a controversial topic. I know it's been published a lot. There's some people coming out and saying that there's with static machines, you know, there's people get injured in whatever way, but it's specifically around the back. So rather than talking about one machine versus another, how, what was your thinking? What was Kaz's? Can you go a little bit more into Kaz's rationale behind the, the avoidance of low back pain and what your opinion is around that? So what, what happens on a, on a, any static machine, whatever it is, if you go, go to the front and you grab the weight, what happens is you pull from a fixed mass. So let's, let's say we can put a flywheel to a wall and then you can hang for the wall. That's the same as on any static machine that there's no, there's no forgiveness on, on anything. So if you, when you go to a boat, you hang from the oar and you, you push from your legs. So your body will never go over its own force. So if you hang and push, if you feel the, the power and overpower, you will stop. But be, because you, you don't use your weight to push it, you use your, your muscles to push your weight and to hang from it. If you go to a, a static machine, you go to the front, then you push yourself away, but also your weight is coming with you. So at the end, your body weight and your back are sh- slashing down. You see all the guy going back and then, so. And then the weight comes to a full stop as well, right? So. Weight to a full stop. And that's on, on, on the front and on the back. So you go to the front and you have to stop. You put yourself together and then you go back and accelerate and stop. And also see if you, the head movement of the head is almost one meter to well, on our machine is, it's not even, let's say the, the, the angle of the body is, is your, uh, is the movement of your head. So it's a lot of force on, on your spine, which has to take that load every time. And that's going from your lower back because that's the point where, it, where it's critical. Let's, let's say the third spine on your back where all the, the, the flexibility goes into. And that's because it's repetitive. Huh? Rowing is, let's say we do it at least at 20 strokes a minute. So 20 times a minute, you, you go in, in your lower back and, and, and force it to, to do something which it's not made for. Mm-hmm. And why? A dynamic way of rowing is the same as rowing. You, you push with your legs mm-hmm. and that's on what, what you can do on, on an RP3, you really push your legs uh, and, and still don't have to use your body here. Okay. So we, we, we've got some good anecdotal feedback. Are you aware of any studies or people that have said, look, we're just training on this and this is yeah. the way we do it. It's, uh, 
Victoria Toronson and, and from Ireland, uh, I forgot the name from the university. There's a lot, lot of studies also in the Australian medical stuff where they say, that's why FISA came up with, you don't go longer than 20 minutes on, on, on an ERG or 30 minutes on an ERG. So that, that's because of that. Let's say you, you, you get tired and then it gets even worse. And, and if, you, if you're a good rower, you got a stable posture and everything is right, then of course the, the problem is, is less, but you get tired. And if you get tired, your muscles get relaxed and then every gum comes to your spine. And that's the, the big issue with that. Okay. So we'll, we'll move from that topic to another one where specifically concept two has really cornered or positioned itself as the machine to test, especially for 2k and for international testing. And if, if that is the, the benchmark that's used by most national teams for testing, how close is the RP3 to the equivalents? Are the results comparable? And what do I need to actually set on the RP3 device, which I think is a, is a question I got on the Facebook group, the master's Facebook group, a lot of questions saying, what settings do I need to put on the screen to get an equivalence of the concept two machine if I'm testing? Yeah. Well, we, we, we made therefore the, the RP3 split, which is four minus of 90 kilos, which in the so early days. four, four minus at 90 kilos. Yeah. I, but I think already concept two, because that was concept two's uh, setting also. I'm not sure if they still got that setting, but we, we keep that setting. But on a, on an RP3, because of your, you've got more, let's say more, you put more energy in your stroke. We are between five and eight seconds on elite level quicker than a C2. Okay. Stop. You don't have to stop, accelerate body weight. So you got more more, more stuff into your drive. Okay. So you, and how did you come up with that data point, Jan? Are you, I mean, no, no. you've got a bunch of athletes that you were saying, go do a 2K on the C2. Oh, you got a lot of data from, from the Dutch team, of course, and a lot of data from all the elite drawers, uh, which we know uh, they use the machine. So, uh, and, and for you, the Dutch don't even use the C2 as testing anymore. So there's now uh, also for the clubs in the Netherlands, if they want to get a a test at the national team, they have to give a score from the RP3. Uh, so, and, and it's all, it's, it's, it's changing now because actually you, you comparing CT, C2 scores to form a boat, but the, the boat score is completely different than what you see on, on a, on a static machine. So, and that's why if you compare RP3 to a boat, that's more comparable than compare an RP3 to a C2. So if you want to form a quick boat. Then you have to look at the way they roll an RP3 here. Okay. So what, what would you advise coaches to look at on the RP3 data? Is it just the raw speed score? Is it the power to weight or is it the force curve? All of the above. What do you advise? Yeah. It's, it's depending on what they want to build. Of course, you, you get see a lot of data you get from, from our app. So the, the force curve, everybody has a natural force curve. So let's say we always say if you're in an eight, it's roughly that you're around 33% peak force, relative peak force position. And if you go to a signal, you end up with, let's say 45, my, my rose 45% that is peak force. And that's, that's logical. You go, you have to drive, drive the boat through your old drive or to, to accelerate the boat through your old drive. So you need, need it more 
more power through the whole drive. On an eight, you want to accelerate the whole weight quick and, and keep, and keep it. So it has to be more front loaded. So that's, that's what a coach can find out from, from the force curve. Then of course we got the jewels. So the, the jewels compared to the watts, we always say the jewels is like the, the horsepower you got in an engine. So you want to have a horsepower. Watts is joules per second. So that's already, if your strength so great, so go up, you can do a lot with, with the watts. But if you have every time the same, same joules, you can, can build power on that. And that's also what the swish used a lot. Just go 600, 700 newtons, go, 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 or 700 joules, go, go, and, and keep it. And till how long can we keep it? Okay. Then we go down and stay there. And so that, that's building more, more power into your body. And, and of course, if, if there's, there's a lot of data, we have, we've got 22 data fields in our, in our system, which are measured every stroke. So we, we get a lot of data out of the machine. So every coach looks at it from a different perspective. So it's always difficult to tell a coach where to look for. But, but you, I, you've got the options there for them to pick from, right? So we're, we're starting to get into more fact-based data points rather than the feelings and, and yeah, no, quantitative data. This is real, real measuring what we do. Yeah. Our new portal for the coaches also be that they uh, can, can get cross reference every, everything they want from certain periods to uh, 500 meters or whatever. They can get an analysis uh, from that. And we do it. They can do it stroke by stroke. They can see from every stroke force curve. How, 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 how somebody, if he gets tired, how does his form back? So where does he look for? So if you, if you get tired, you're, let's say you're missing your stroke length. So keep long or keep the power or keep connected or don't grab or all those kinds of stuff we, we can, can predict with our force curve. Okay. So when one of, one of the, the parameters you have on the screen is stroke length. Can you tell me how is that calculated? to, to show, you know, 140 centimeters versus 130 centimeters or 150 centimeters. How, how is that actually, what does a person need to do to the handle to have a long, long stroke? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I always say if you go longer than 145, that's already, then if you look to the, to the oars to the boat, you're always close to the boat. So what, how we measure it is when the flywheel starts accelerating till the flywheel starts decelerating. So it's not, if you just pull out the, the, the chain, it will give you stroke length. We measure only the area where you accelerate it. And, and when you stop accelerating, that's it. Then we finish. It's the same as in the boat. If you push, 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 and then it stops. So, okay, it's not so as soon as the, the flywheel starts to decelerate, so if my handle speed drops, then that shows the cutoff. Yeah, directly. So we, 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 we really worked on that point to have it very clear. It's this is stroke length. So you can pull out more chain. You can hang over backwards and pull out the chain. If you, if you go to an RP3 and you pull out the chain, nothing will happen on the app. Only if you accelerate it, they will say, okay, now that comes the curve, but you just pull it out. Nothing will happen. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So you really, you really get the, the stroke length when you get power. So if there's no power anymore, there's no stroke length. Okay. Very good. And where do the coaches go to, to get this? What's the, the website, the portal that they can log into? Have you got that ready yet? Or is that something coming? No, it's, it's coming. We already have a portal, but that's, 
not we have some little analysis, but we're bringing up a very uh, strong one next month. Okay, so for for the coaches that are listening to the podcast, how would they get alerted to when that is coming out, or how would they get on the waiting list to to have a look at that? Yeah, it, it, it might be good. Uh, we are w- working on everybody that that has an RP tree or got an RP tree. We will uh, inform about our portal. Yeah, might be good if they send me an an email to Jan at rpgrowing.com. I always can inform them when it's live and up and running. Yeah, that would be good because are you sending out emails regularly to the the people that own an RP3? Because I, no, I, haven't re- I have not received one yet. No, no, no. <laughs> that's the thing we are working on now. We were, let's say, low profile every time where we're, we're getting more, more and more visible now. And we, we got also a guy, Stefan Bond, who was doing our whole marketing and setup and all this kind of stuff will be, will be launched also. Yeah. Okay. So Jan, we've got an, an international coach yesterday I was speaking with, was saying, look, loves the machine, but very big athletes, you know, big units that are on, on your machines and they're, they're beating the, the proverbial out of them and they're, they're breaking them often. So what do we need to do as international coaches where we've got 90 to 100 kilo athletes that are putting a lot of power down through these machines? What, would we, what do you recommend we need to do to keep on top of the maintenance and maybe some of the parts that we need to consider having in backup? Oh, oh good. Oh, let's say a, a dynamic machine is, is always, let's say, oh, we already discussed because of weight and construction, there's a lot of bit different than if you put a, a piece of iron as a static machine and you can pull on. So what, what's important is that you handle it as, as look at it a bit more like, like the boat. So it, it, let's say the Model T is, has already been designed for rougher use. It's bigger bearings and everything. But what's most important is, is that you keep the, the bearings could connect it to the bar. That's more like, the, let's say, the, the, the air in your tires, the pressure in your tires. If you drive a car, you don't look at the pressure in your tires, you also have the same. Well, that's the same with, with the RP3. If you really keep it good connected to the bar, then most of the, the problems uh, will not occur, which they have now. And we know it. We, we, we see on the Model T, we have everything on, on stable, bigger bearings. Uh, we had, let's say, the, the lateral bearings on, on an RP3S. It's, and we, we changed them a lot already, and they're better. But if you don't connect them well to the, the bar, to the machine, then these, these can break. Yeah. And that's because of the space and everything inside. So, but on the T, we already got, people can see that we got bigger bearings and they can handle the force of a big rower. There's no problem. Okay. And how about maintenance of the chain and the bar itself? Now I've seen some people in Australia, whether it's, uh, they've got salt water, they're looking over the harbor or whatever the club, they use even sewing machine oil on the, on the bar and also on the chain. What do you recommend to just watch out for the corrosion from salt, salt air? Yeah, yeah, salt is okay. Okay, everything on our machine is stainless steel, so even the bearing, so there's no no quick rust on it, but everything will rust in sea area. Everything will rust, of course. So, yeah, it's. I always say don't make it too oily because the oil also takes a lot of dust and, and, and then makes it even more stickier. And they just, the best for our bar is to, to clean it. If they get, if those get those black spots on it, means you got dirt on it. And every time the bearing goes over it, it rubs it into the bar. So keep the bar clean. If there's black spots, just clean it. You can use anything because it's stainless steel. So 
white, white vinegar and distilled water mix or something like that. Something really simple, huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. Make, keep it clean. Just keep it clean. That's the best. And, and the chain, use a, a, a lap with some oil and just pull it through and make it clean and don't make it too oily. It's, let's say it's a, it's a nickel chain, so it will get some, it looks like rust, but it will not rust through. So it's completely. Okay. And what are you seeing the parts that are most requested to replace? And how do, how do we go about replacing these parts? Well, we, everything we got in the machine is, is based on a cassette. So it's very easy to replace on the, on the T weave and, and also on the new building now, the S and, and then the black model S special edition, also with a cartridge system for the bungee and the chain. So the, the, the biggest thing that happens is athletes let go of the chain and that's doesn't matter which chain machine it is. You let go of the chain, the chain gets makes a curl, you pull again and the blades break and, and it's gone. Mm-hmm. And that's, so for that, we designed a cartridge, which you can, uh, which has the bungee and the chain and everything in it. You just get two pins out, step it in and uh, within 15 minutes, you're, uh, you're good again. And that's the same we did now also for the, the Model S, we did a little redesign. So the Model S also has a cartridge system now where you can put it in. And, and what I say, the, 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 the small bearings inside are the, the bearings for the lateral and, and these, if you keep the, keep the machine good to the bar, it will not do anything. And even if you do a lot of connected rowing, then make sure that if you put them together, that they're parallel so that there's no peak forces uh, on the side. So just move them back and forward that the bars are in line and then mostly uh, it will run uh, very smoothly. So thanks for that, Jans. We've got the, the heritage build where it's built, the design, the feedback, maintenance. Where do you see your machine heading to next, mate? You talked a little bit about a black model, but give us an update on what that is. But where do you really see rowing machines heading in the next five years? Yeah, well, well the, the black model is more... Uh... It's, it's, it's the same as uh, the stainless steel model, only we make a, a black edition because a lot of people like uh, black machines at the moment. Also, it fits better in some stuff. And, and also, uh, from the price point of view, stainless steel is getting ridiculously uh, expensive. So uh, we, had, we had to move away from that too. We still got the stainless steel machine, but we also got now the black edition machine, which is steel sink plated with powder coating. So a double layer for uh, corrosion and uh, which m- makes them a little bit cheaper than, than the stainless steel. What, what, what I see and where we're building on now is that we want to have a self-coaching machine. There's a lot of also master rowers in the world, which don't have a coach, but still want to be coached. A lot of people can't even like to pay for a coach, but cannot find a coach because there are not enough coaches in the world. So. We're building on more sensors in the machine. So we got a wobble seat now for the Model T, which has all the... So that's the, the, the dual bar machine, which was very stable. You've yeah. got a wobble seat like the Model S. Yeah, but it's even more wobbly than, than the S. Wobble seat. Extra wobble. Which, yeah, yeah. You feel like you're sitting, you're stepping into a boat. So it's a feel. But for that, we can see... We can put, and we already tested that. We have a lot of sensors in it, so we can see how you go through the drive. Are you hanging to one side? And if you sit with your mates, hey, hey, you're hanging to backboard to the to steerboard, or and so no, I'm not hanging. So, and that's what we see on athletes, or we tested already on athletes. Some athletes go very stable, 
And you see ones that hang to one side or go through the drive and make this uh, movement. So, uh, so we want to bring a lot of more sensors into, uh, to the machine. So self-coaching should be uh, one of the big things our rowing machine has to do. Okay. So that will actually give you advice or. Yeah. Yeah. It starts of course with uh, showing you what you're doing. And then the next step is, uh, okay, now we know what you're doing and we can advise you uh, how to, uh, to be a better rower. And, and okay. I think uh, what we all want to be, uh, we want to get better uh, on, on the rowing machine and we want to get better on the water. So we want to be the tool that makes you better and get a better feel when you step in the boat. Also for coaches, this for coaches is important. If you're on the water, there's a lot of mistakes a rower can make. You're, we're both rowers, so we know what, what that means. So from coaches point of view, if you can be on the water and coach on stuff that's really needed on water, and if you are on, on land, you can see the mistakes and correct them and go back to the water, say, okay, go. And, but already you can tell them how to hang from, from, from the oar. You don't have to teach them that in the boat. So don't hang from the oar, push with your legs. And that's what you can teach on, on, on the RP3. And then in a boat, you can teach them how to handle the oar and all the other stuff get synchronized and every, everything that's important to, to make the boat faster on the water. What, what are your thoughts around having foot plate sensors? Because I know that some of the Biomex, Kleshnev, Connie Draper, et cetera, are now starting to incorporate the both handle sensors, slide rail sensors, but also most importantly, how well connected are the feet through the drive? Yeah, yeah. No, we, we, we're talking with, with Kleshnev is the one we talk a lot with. So, and the foots, foots, and also with British rowing, they like to have foot plates sensors also for the force. And we, we tried that already, but we didn't can find the good sensors to have it. Let's say they're all too big. It's because you got a lot of force there. We need a lot of big stuff. So we are, we are looking now how to, we can make that more easy and integrated because let's say the way we think is that if you put it on a machine, it has to be everyday use. So it's, it's, it's nice to have someone like Kleshnev or Connie Draper of come by and tell you what you're doing wrong, but the next day you have to train it. And when they are gone then, and you don't get that same information. So how do I train it? So what we want to build is that this machine has all the sensors in it. So if you are really on elite and you want everything then you can train it every day. So every day it's in your face. What am I doing right? What am I doing wrong? And, and that's what we're looking. Okay. Now well, that, that absolutely makes sense. How about the integration of things like bond shoes? I've got a set of bond shoes that I've got clipped in because, but the, it's also my personal machine, right? So I'm not sharing it with, you know, a hundred other people in the club, but for those people that have it at home or they, or they have the ability to use it on their own, are you thinking about using shoes like bond or is it still just the same foot plate strap? No, no, we, we, we got adapter plates for all shoes. We already started at that time with, with bad logic and also for, for shoes, but bond is our, our distributor for an agent for Australia. So it's, I think that's a close call. So no, no, we, we got adapter plates for people who like to put the shoes on. So that's for, for every, every type of shoes we got adapter plates. Okay. Yeah. And how do you see the role of digital, its role in playing, connecting up? athletes we talked a little earlier in the in the podcast about me rowing with my buddy down in australia or in the middle of switzerland we can connect up how do you see that evolving over time Jan? 
Yeah, well, we got we got that ready. Let's say we we built COVID already. We talked to FISA to do a startup e-racing. I think rowing needs a little bit more attention than than only the races we got. Well, let's say the six, maybe six races we got in the world for elite. So we thought we built an e-league. So to have everybody racing also during non-racing season. So during winter, but also let's say as a training. Let's say if you look to soccer or any other sports, they got a lot more competition moments to see where do I stand to my competition? And, and, and you don't have to win every time, but then you know, okay, hey, this guy is better or where may, you can do 500 meter races, a thousand or 250, whatever, but build something as a league where also people can watch. So we, we built a system that you can watch it and also that the rowers could make money out of it. So that uh, I could challenge my and say, hey, my, I want to row you, uh, say 250 or 500 or whatever uh, to see how quick I am. And my, I could then invite maybe 15 people and, and from every, let's say $10. And then in, in a quarter he, of an hour, he got $150. So make, make money uh, with rowing because the rowers, let's say we're the only sports where the athletes had to do it with a little sponsoring and a little money of the government. And, and the big money is going to all the other sports because uh, we are not watching, let's say the, the last 250 meters in a, in a, in a 2000 meter, you got the grandstand and everybody watching, but oh, man. The, whole, the whole, the whole dying has begun before the last 250. It's, yeah. I mean, the game's over. I mean, I, yeah. Talk to me about that one. We'll have another podcast on that yarn because I, I look at what uh, Ru Russell Coots has done with the, the sale GP, right? Taking a pretty vanilla sport, the America's cup couldn't watch it. And now everything's in the Harbor. You watch the action going on right in front of your face. Yep. The animated yep. graphics are good. So how do we do that for rowing? Love that idea. When, I mean, what? how's that taking off with the e-rowing where you can get some of the athletes and, and give them a platform? Yeah. Well, we, let's say our agent in, in the UK did it in COVID time. We didn't, we didn't push it through, but we are working now on that. It's, it should be more easy. We now got several apps. So the app will be that in the app. You will have the, the standard monitor size. You can build a training. You can see your history, but then now the next block is e-race and e-studio. So it's very easy to click on and, and, and to do it. So no, so people get more attracted to it. You can then invite e-racing will also have e-training. So if you want to train with your buddy somewhere else, you can do it over the internet. Just build a virtual room for digit code and you're together and you see each, each other. So, and that's what. Oh, it's already in place. Only we have to get it more public and more open for everybody that everybody knows that we can do it. It's pretty exciting, right? You've got to keep us up to speed on that when that's coming out. I'm sure there'll be a lot of people interested in joining in. Yeah. So I'd like the listeners to, to just get a bit more of an understanding about you. And, and do you have a favorite, a failure, apparent failure that set you up later for some success that you could share? Yeah, that's not, not quite related to rowing. We start, we started up, my company also made automotive parts in, in let's say in two till 2013, I had three companies, one in metal work, one is completely in automotive with 55 people. And, and, and I did rowing, let's say for, for, for cars on the buy side and two to 11, two ten, when everything dropped down, we made a decision. Okay. We go for the rowing. So we skipped all the other stuff and. We went for a rowing 
the RP3. But in, in the time I went to the USA, I had two customers forcing me to come over because they want to have local content in the USA. So I had to build from green grass, a company there, and I only had two customers. I did a lot of invest and we had a quick growth, but then you see what happens in 2010, everybody, everything broke down and then nobody helps you anymore. And that's it. You lost a lot of money. So what I, what I learned from that is we don't look for the quick growth. We want to have it stable. We want to have a lot of customers, not not relying on a couple of them and, and built from the ground, really stable. Our, our company. Amazing story. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think to some extent then that overcoming adversity and taking a risk is one of the keys to success in life or it has been for you? Yeah, yeah. I think you, everybody has, has to get a goal and, 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 and you have to believe in that. And, and, and the most important is, is that you have to love what you're doing every day. And that's not always possible. I know that, but let's say only looking at money, money doesn't make you happy because if the money is away, you're not happy anymore. So, and if your job gives you lot of satisfaction, even as then, if you go in, in bad times, you will love your job and I will go to your job and have fun. And, 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 and that's very important, I think. And that's what I learned from the time I was in the U S I still love that job and I still love what I'm doing. And we were specialists in making hydro pipes, comfortable people, but still, if the money is gone, you have to love it. Yeah. And that's. I think a lot of people look only for the money and that's if then that's getting and getting in trouble if the money is away. Yeah. Great. Wise words, my friend, wise words. When you're not working, how do you like to relax? Well, I, I have grandkids and kids, so, and we do, we do a lot of, we like to travel. We travel around the whole world. And, and, and of course, when I've got time on Saturdays, I like to spend in a, in a boat. Is there any new rowing gear that you're using or testing that you could recommend to others? Yeah. Yeah. What we are testing now and that what I told you, the, the wobble seat on, on the model C that's uh, gives, gives you a lot of feedback and feel about like the instability in a boat. And it gives you a lot of course, course stability. You're training your body, your body gets, uh, let's say twisted because of the, the wobble seat. And automatically you're going to train that core stability. And we see, we got somebody who does a lot of biking and he's, he's a triathlete and his coach told him now after winter, he trained with us all winter and he told him, Hey, you're sitting more straight on your bike. How come? So, and that's on a bike and, and on rowing and everything on horse riding. If you don't sit straight, uh, you, you lose a lot of energy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And that, and that will also help with your rowing stroke to stay connected, get that core strength going. Now I, I saw a book on your desk cause I can see you on the screen before, but what, what's the book or, or the one that you've received or gifted the most and, and why? Well, well, I've got a lot of books. I, I read the most, I read technical books and books about marketing and economics. But what I, I, I like the, the book about rowing, I, the last thing I wrote was boys in a boat from the Washington boys who were to the Olympics. It's a great book, isn't it? Very great book. Amazing I, story. Yeah. It's a very amazing story. And then, then I've got from, from marketing point of view, I, I'm reading a book, the hero and the art, the outlaw. It's about how brand and, and, and power of archetypes 
to come together in a, in a, in a, in a product and in a, in a company. And for rowing, I got one book that's the biomechanics from Dr. Valerie Kleshnev, which is always on my desk. If I got an idea thing, oh, watch, wait, I'll watch it in a boat. Check, check from the guru first. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's, I think that's the book I use the most. And, and when you look back at your experience with RP3 so far, Jan, yeah. is there anything that you wish you'd done more of or less of? I mean, what the lessons you've learned, the scars you've earned, what, what, what I, can you reflect on there? What would I know now? I would have been more aggressive on positioning RP3. We were, when I, when I took it over, I know of course it was a perfect machine that was very good, but the, the ins and outs and what it could bring, I, I didn't know. So with the experience I have now from what I learned from all the roles and all the teams and, and the big advantages it gives over, oh, not only the invention was lower back pain and, and healthy and, and ribs and knees and everything, but I know now that it has a lot of more advantages over that uh, for the rower. It makes rower really better. Okay. Thanks for that feedback. So, and finally, uh, is there anything I haven't asked you that perhaps we should have covered? No, I, I, we, we covered it all. And I think what, what we want to do is we want to make really rowers better and give them, give them more fun in rowing. So, and that the ergrom is not the pain gate, but the fun gate. Said like a true Dutchman with a smile on his face. <laughs> Mate, how can people connect with you? Where can they best find you? LinkedIn, Facebook, the website. What's the best way to connect with you? I, LinkedIn, but the best thing is go go on a website and shoot for the contact formula and we'll come back to you. And what's your website address again? It's www.rp3rowing.com. So rp3rowing.com. That's fantastic. Yeah. Jan, it's been amazing connecting with you. Fantastic to hear how RP3 started and that, that journey that you've taken it through to today. And I'm quite excited to hear also about that digital innovation and how you can empower people with more insights into what they're doing. And you're advancing a product to, to help make it fun, even if we are in the pain cave and, yeah. and jumping on the machine of pain. So thank you very much for your time. And I'm very grateful for it. Thank you also. And it was fun to be there. Good yeah. on you, mate. So I'll, let, me, yeah. let, let me stop the recording. Right. Join me next time when I'll be talking with one of the rowing world's most interesting people. And if you like this episode, you can subscribe so you never miss an episode in the future. Oh, and please, if you like it, leave us a five-star review. That really helps us out. You can find out more about our unique training system and high-performance coaching by visiting whchambers.com.